So uh, today is the one-year anniversary of the tornado going through. Did you know that? One year ago this week, so it's actually tomorrow the 17th is exactly one year, is when the tornado rolled through this place and actually took a hard turn through the parking lot and just made a little parts of the building wobble a bit and God held everything together and we had 125 plus cars damaged in the tornado and uh, praise God he protected all the lives in this building and uh, just a huge moment for us to realize that our God has his hand on this place. Amen? Amen. Yep. Amen. Man, I'm telling you, uh, you cannot walk through life and forget what God is doing. It, it gets all too easy to just um, sort of miss the great handiwork of God. So we're on a journey in this life. And uh, what do we do in the middle of crisis? And where do I turn when I have question? And how do I know where I'm supposed to go? And remember, God said, I am sufficient. And then last week, we looked very specifically, my grace is sufficient. And uh, how do we get this guidance on a regular basis? And that's what we're looking at today, very specifically, his, his word is sufficient. And God gives us guidance on a regular basis that we might know exactly what we need to know to live this life out for him and for his glory. And how do we do that? And in what ways do we go after that? That's what we're answering today. So turn with me, if you will, to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy 3.10, we've got ushers coming forward. They got Bibles in their hands. So if you need one, just raise your hand and they'll get one to you there. All right. 2 Timothy 3.10. His word, remember, this is the checklist that we need for the all I need list, right? And uh, so the title of this thing, like all I need, right? That's the sermon series. And today, uh, his word, check, we have this, all right? Well, how do we go after it? Here we go. Point number one, follow. Model after those that listen to God's word. Follow. Model after those that listen to God's word. He starts out here in verse 10. You, however, he's talking to Timothy when he's saying this. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience. You followed my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Paul's like, you've been a follower well, Timothy. And uh, notice how it starts out. You, however, have followed. You know, whenever you hear the word but or however, there's this big contrast going on, right? There's somebody that wasn't following very well. And well, who is that? Well, you look in the prior verses and you get quite the feel. Let me just read this off for you. Listen to this description of the people around Timothy at the time in the world. But understand this. That in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money. This is in verse 1 here of chapter 3. Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Bam. This is a strong 
strong definition. I can't even imagine when Timothy or Paul was going through this, writing it down. And he's like, all right, let's start thinking of the worst list of things we can come up with, right? And uh, they start listing these things out. And, and uh, maybe it was even a little bit of tag team going on as they were talking about some of the experiences they had. And, and do you know people around you like this? Stuck on themselves at every level, heartless, slanderous, without self-control, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. It just keeps going on even further than that all the way to the end. And he says, they will not get very far for their folly will be plain to all as that was true of those two men that he had just talked about before. And uh, he's like, just so you know, there's a lot of people not following after God, man. In fact, some of them say they are. And they try to make it look like on the outside that they are. But in fact, inside, they're just looking for as much attention as they can get for themselves. And uh, may we not be that kind of person. May we not be that kind of church. May we not long for something that on the surface looks good. But when you get inside and get underneath, you find out God isn't at work there at all. It's just a bunch of people faking it out. And uh, everybody say that's a bad plan. That is not the church on fire. That is a church that quickly fades. All right. And we're not looking for fake. We're looking for figuring it out. And to the trite Christianese phrases, man, they're useless if we don't actually figure out how it's true and get after it. And uh, we have God's word. Yeah. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God's word can be life altering? Right. We hear it, we talk about it, and then we go home and we live as if we never had anything. And uh, let's not live with the Christianese phrase, well, at least we have God's word. I never read it, but at least we have it. And uh, it holds the other books up on my bookshelf really well. And uh, let's not live that way, man. And uh, God's word as a centerpiece to direction for us. And uh, he says here, you, however, have followed... And then he gives nine things that Timothy was following. Uh, You want a trick to getting your life in gear? Find someone who's following after Christ well and track with them. Well, what things do I look for? Here's the nine things. You followed my teaching, literally my doctrine, like Paul's, the list of details and truths about God, the course of direction of rightness, teaching and, uh, You followed my teaching, my conduct, his behavior that tracked with his teaching, my conduct, my aim in life. You know, without purpose, we often just wobble around and you'd be surprised. You actually have purpose, even if you've never made a decision to have purpose, right? If you haven't decided, then somehow it's wallowing around in there in self. And it usually has to do with avoiding pain or something and, and getting some attention or whatever. There's always a purpose in life. And I'm telling you, the purpose we're called to from scripture is Jesus Christ being glorified, him through me. And God, I don't know what you have in store, but I'm ready. And if you take that on passionately, purposefully, it's life altering. Look for those who have grasped onto that track with them. My aim in life, my faith, nothing will rock my trust in Jesus Christ. I'm leaning on him. My patience, you know, that thing we get when we actually go through the things we don't like to go through, right? 
patience. It gets built up as we get endurance built into us as we taste of the things that hurt a bit and we learn how to get through them leaning on God. Patience. It doesn't come by everything going perfectly well. It's a bummer, but that's true. Right? Wouldn't it be nice if patience was our goal and the only way you got it was by God giving you every single thing you ever wanted in your life and life was just easy. Right? The role to patience. Just sit down. God's going to lavish it on you. And, and uh, that's not how it goes, though. Instead, he walks us through some things where he teaches us to let go of self and grab onto him. Patience. And to look for those who have grabbed onto this with all they have. Patience. My love. A care for others. And in fact, a sign that God's at work in you. First John 4 says, you cannot say you love God, but not love your brother. Right? A love for others. And uh, my steadfastness, I will not be moved. Right? Hanging in there. And if you're looking for someone to follow, don't look for the one who keeps quitting. That's what he's saying. Like, look for the one who figures out how to hang in there and be tough no matter what. Steadfastness. And uh, my persecutions and sufferings, we'll put those two together. Paul says these come from three cities, specifically Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. You can go and read those in the book of Acts. They were cities that he went to one after another. And let me tell you, the list of treatment was rough as Paul went through some harsh physical abuse and treatment. And uh, just know that that can be a part of the walk with Christ. And it says, um, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. You hear that? From them all, the Lord rescued me. Not from them all, the Lord made sure I never tasted of them. Right? He tasted of them, but God walked him around them in the end instead of having those things cost massively and take his life. He was able to survive the persecutions and the sufferings. And uh, it's a huge deal. It says, indeed... All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, get ready. This is the best marketing plan we have for Christianity. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Come one, come all, right? That ought to grow the church. There we go. Hey, just so you know, if you desire to follow Christ, that's one thing. But if you desire to live a godly life for Christ Jesus, like you have my soul, Lord, and what you need to do in me, whatever, that you might be glorified. And I'm willing to walk through this. And it says, just so you know, persecution comes with that. There will be heat from Satan himself. There will be heat from the dark side that says we are against Christ. And if you're for him, we're going to push in. There will be heat from those in the world who don't understand what it means. They don't even get what you're about, and they will try to crash in on that. There will be heat. And uh, listen, the best thing I can say is this is calling about, calling us to a following, a toughness for our God and his glory. That builds a church of strength. Have you ever wondered why under persecuted countries, the church absolutely explodes and flourishes. This is why. Because there is absolutely no doubt that these things are the truth as they lean in on them and go after it. 
And uh, here in America, it can get pretty soft. And like the hardest persecution we get is one day at lunch when one of our buddies at work kind of says, dude, you seriously believe that? And we're like, oh, I was so persecuted. Like that's as hard as it gets around here. Usually there's a little bit of question of who we are and you can take that. And let's lean in for our God. Let's make much of him. His call here is to follow those who are following Christ well. So here is my simple request. He says here in the end, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Continue in these things that you've learned, these nine elements. So here's the request. Think of someone who meets these nine elements for you. Maybe it's someone in your family. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's someone in this church body. Maybe it's someone in your impact group, right? Think of a name. Who do you know who's got some of these things rocking? They're following after God with all they've got. Is that the name? Like that's what it looks like now to be following after him, follow that person well. It's much like you'd often see a, a father and a son and, and you see them working side by side, right? And, and the son is looking over at the dad and trying to figure out what to do and mirroring along the way. And, and uh, it's like that. The dad knows what he's doing and, and the kid is trying to figure it out as they look along and let's find someone ahead of us in the game and go after it. And, and uh, let's go ahead and throw an image up there. Is that awesome? I'm not sure you can capture more of what we're talking about. The journey of life, right? They're sitting there on this road walking along. The little boy is trying to figure out how to even handle that lasso. And the, like, this is an awesome pick of life. And that's what we're going after. Look for someone who's walking after Christ with all they've got. And walk along that journey with them and learn. Follow well. Okay? So first, simple question. Who is it that you're emulating and looking up to? You may want to answer it to the negative first. Who is it that maybe not even is even doing these things? Who do I look to that I respect? And is that taking me down the right path? Now, Lord, who should I be looking to that I might follow well and follow after you? Make sure you get that name down. It's not wrong to be tracking after someone who's tracking after Christ. And as much as they track after Christ, track after them. All right. All right. Number two. Dig. His word is able to make you wise. His word is able to make you wise. And uh, I'm just going to do one piece here. Verse 15. It says, and how from childhood you have, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. We're just going to take this passage apart. We're going to do it a little differently than we normally do. And we're just going to make five truths about God's word. The first being the following and the second now being the digging. Man, there is absolute purpose in the dig. Look what he says. How from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. There's a word he's using here for this word sacred writings. And it's really important. We'll see why in the next verse. All right. So he's just using this one Greek word. It's like there was these things recorded called the Old Testament. And he's referring to them as the sacred writings. Timothy and his family, they poured over those. He was well-trained. Timothy went to a really good Sunday school. You know what I'm saying? 
He had a lot of training in the facts and the details of who God was. And in fact, he knew the Old Testament well. And in, if you look at the Old Testament, it says, which is able to make you wise for salvation. Did you know that? A lot of us are like, well, the only thing that makes you wise to salvation is the New Testament. That's where we find out what Christ did for us, actually. And in fact, there's so much detail in the Old Testament about who Christ is and what he's done for us and him coming for us and the sacrificial lamb to be expected and the king that would be on his throne for all eternity. And there's a ton of hope in the Old Testament. And we absolutely need to know that there is value in looking at those sacred writings as well as the New Testament. And uh, he says which is able to make you wise for salvation. Able to make you wise. Think of what the word wise means to you. Okay, you got that definition? Wise. Like somehow taking me from not so wise, not so smart, not so having it understood to having it understood. But it's more than knowledge, right? It's this knowledge applied. Wisdom. It's being able to know in a circumstance what's called for. Make me wise. That's what it's like. God's saying literally the word of God can take you into a circumstance and teach you what you need to know and how you need to act. We better be calling for the action part of it. Wisdom. It is absolutely uh, calling out for action. Making us wise. I just wrote this down. It means our mind is renewed, our heart is transformed, and our actions are aligned with who God is. Mind is renewed, heart transformed, actions aligned. That's what happens when we spend time in God's word. And, uh, well, then how come we don't do that? How come we skip God's word so often and move off to our own thing and All right, top three things we look to instead of God's word. Top three things we look to instead of God's word. Number one, feelings, right? I'd sing the song, but then you'd start leaving this auditorium. So you know what I'm talking about, right? And it's all about our feelings and our wants and our desires. And and so the first thing we check into is, well, how does that make me feel? What do I want in that? What, what do I, what do I think of that response? Is that, does that well up emotion in me that's a positive one or a negative one? Oh, I think it was a negative one. Then I'm against it. And like somehow we're allowing ourselves to become the final authority on good and bad based on what stirs within us. And uh, just so you know, there are so many things that change how you feel, right? A prior event could change how I respond in this event. Something going on chemically with you. I've experienced that one. And uh, as you end up having a a tumor press in and hormones are shifting. And let me just tell you, your feelings change on a lot of things. And and all of a sudden, there's a difference going on in you. What you ate can affect you, right? And you you were so looking forward to it and it was disappointing. Or you had this stuff and then it was so greasy and it's affecting your stomach. And now you really just, you almost have this face on you. And then the next event happens, right? And, and your feelings, they're whimsical at best. And uh, we always say it this way in the biblical counseling arena, feelings, they need to be the caboose to the train, not the engine, all right? Right thinking leads to right action, leads to right feelings. You hear me? Right thinking leads to right action, leads to right feelings. Feelings is last 
not first. All right, first thing we look to is feelings. Second thing we look to, closely related to feelings, fears. Yeah, but what if they... Yeah, but what if God... Yeah, but what if I can't... Right? And all of a sudden, instead of doing what's needed and what's right and what God calls us to, we do... We kind of navigate around what might go wrong. We're we're sort of thinking about negatively what could happen tomorrow, and we try to drag it into today and avoid it. And uh, that's a bad plan. Everybody just say, that's a bad plan. That won't get it done, man. And you'll be amazed how often you're driven by fear. And, uh, And then the last one, pressures. You know, that outside person who's like, seriously, that's what you want to do? And then you're like, no, no, I don't want to do that now. Right? And you change your mind because you got a little pressure. They're like, why aren't you doing it this way? And so you kind of, oh, I guess I should do it that way then. And, and outside pressure leaning in on you. And all too often we let too many different things take authority in our life. And the one thing we don't let take authority is God and his word. All right. It is time for us to set down those things. And uh, I'm telling you right now, a lot of you are hearing these words and you're like, yep, heard this before. And. And uh, blah, 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 Christianese, right, I get it. And uh, please, let's make a decision this week. This will be the week, God's word first, and we'll see what happens, all right? Let's make a commitment to God's word and see what happens. That's great, Tim, but I really don't know how to pour into God's word, all right? So let's do this. We've talked about these steps before, and I'm going to bring them up again here. I'm going to summarize them. All right. So the best way to walk through God's word, observe, interpret, apply. Okay. Observe, interpret, apply. Now, when we say observe, what do we mean? So we're going to put some steps to these things. Here we go. Observe seven steps to getting into God's word. If we're going to dig, let's do some digging. Here we go. Number one. Pick a passage, bold heading to bold heading in your Bible. You know what I'm talking about? Like that big black bold that separates the paragraphs, right? Just go one of those sets of paragraphs, bold to bold, and that's it. Well, it's only like six verses. Yeah, you'd be amazed what you can find as you dig deep, all right? Just hang in there and just stay with that content. There's a reason that it's got bold to bold. Like it's got some connected purpose to what he's talking about there. So just stay with that point. And let's see what we can mine out of it, what we can dig out of it. So bold to bold, uh, read it several times. That's the second step. So pick the bold second, read several times over, maybe three, five, 10 times, read it over enough times that when you read it, you're not surprised by the words and the flow and the vocabulary. All right. It's gotten kind of familiar to you. Read it several times over. And uh, that might take several days, actually, just so you know, I'm fine with that. You pick a passage like day one, you read it three times. Day two, you read it three or four more times. And as you're reading through it, you're just watching for some things and seeing what God's doing in it and how to dig deep. Number three, now we look for the verbs. Some of you are like, yeah, I failed English. I don't know what those are. And uh, if you can do it, it's a verb. All right, look for the action words. Look for action words throughout the passage and just write the action words down, okay? You'll be amazed about what it teaches you of the passage who's doing the acting and what they're going to accomplish. You'd be amazed. Just write down the action words. All right. That's number three for the the observing. And then number four, find some power words, words like all and every 
and destroyed, right? Look for those power words and just write them down, whatever you find, okay? Some of you are like, okay, here's the deal. I love pictures and I love flowers and I love, I don't love verbs and I'm not into this thing, man. And I'm just telling you camping out a little bit. This is where you hold tight to that pencil or pen and you do a little bit of extra work. Okay. You hearing me just dig in a little bit, writing some things down, making some observations. All right. And then here's the last piece to the observe. Um, this is the big one now. This is the one that's got all the stuff attached to it. Go back to the top of the passage and just write it in your own language. How would you say this? Okay. What would you say in your words? So let's just give you an example. Verse 15 here says, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through Christ Jesus. Right. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Yeah, that's how we all talk, isn't it? So maybe you change it and you're like, dude, like from a kid, you were reading the Old Testament and it was impacting you and you knew what to do. Write it down. It will change how you read God's word. All of a sudden it's leaping off the page. Why? Because it's speaking your vocabulary now. You have a vocabulary, and for most of you, it does not include the word dude. But for me, it does, so I write that in there, right? And then, so whatever, just write it down and get your vocabulary as the thing in there. And uh, now you're starting to see God's word mean something to you. Don't skip over and do like three sentences at once and try to condense it, and like your whole goal is doing the Reader's Digest version. Don't do that. Really take some time to camp out and walk through this piece by piece. Watch God work as you camp through his word, all right? And uh, so you summarize it. That's all observing, okay? Now the interpret, one step. Just write one sentence of, what is the big idea with this passage? Like, what are they trying to say? They're giving you a shot at it with that big, bold statement over the top, right? Like mine says, all scripture is breathed out by God. Okay, well, that's great. But I always like to attach a little bit of, do around this whole thing as well. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Right? And so if God gave us his word, maybe I should be looking into it regularly. There's a big idea summary. You know what I'm saying? Just break it down to some simplistic, I get it. I can tell you what this was about today. Okay. And then the application, the last thing, just come up with one thing that you're going to do because of what you read today. One thing you're going to do because you read it. Let it rock you, man. Spend some time camping in God's word. And uh, I'm telling you, I'm promising you, I'm guaranteeing you. How can you do that? How can you guarantee anything, Tim? Only because God did, right? It will rock your world. Camp in his word and spend some time. Learn what God has to say. Doesn't have to take forever, man. This isn't necessarily the, you know, the arduous half hour, hour long, grueling little writing every little piece out. This could be literally 10, 15, 20 minutes of just read it several times and start through some observing pieces and then save some for the next day. And three days in, you've gotten through these steps and see what God teaches you in his word. Uh, Just so you know, this is basically what I'm doing every week. As I learn to walk through this and share it with you guys, I'm doing these things. It includes a few other steps. I go into the original language and a few others, but you don't have to do that, man. 
we've got some great recordings of God's uh, intent here. Okay. Notice it says that you may be made wise um, for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Right. It's not that you may be made wise in your physics honor class. Right. It's not that you might be able to go into your pre-calc class and and ace it because you read your word today. And uh, too many people actually try that. Oh, God, I'm not ready for this test. I'm reading your word now. Please help me. Actually, there's a better plan. Study the pre-calc. Okay. This does have value, and we'll talk about what it is in a few verses here. Okay. But God's word, absolutely for salvation. That's what it says, right? Absolutely for salvation, getting who Jesus Christ is. Uh, our hope is that we get to know him powerfully in all that he's doing. And uh, hey, many of you know that we do biblical counseling around here. And uh, we mean something very specific by that, okay? Uh, when we say biblical counseling, we mean something very different than psychology or the world's counseling. See, the world's counseling does the diagnosing. And then once they've told you what problem you have, they just teach you how to try to cope with it for the rest of your life. There's no healing, there's no growing, there's no changing, just coping, okay? And uh, everybody say, that's lame. It is lame. God's got a plan for healing for us, man. And let's lean on that and let's see him do a work in us and his word shaping us and the Holy Spirit's glory pouring on us and God changing us, man. That's what we're looking for. Biblical counseling, yes, the diagnosing, But then we move into what does God's word say about this and what is God saying about this that we might be able to come closer to him and see him change me in this. Praise be to God. All right. That's what we're looking for. And just taking some time to camp out on a passage and see it rock us for that week or even longer if needed. Here's a letter that my wife received uh, this week after uh, doing some counseling with someone. She says, I was wondering if I could still send you the verses I looked up and rephrased. You hear that? She was doing the steps that we were just talking about, and she was going through and rephrasing. Can I send you those verses? I have started reading the New Testament, and I want to make sure I'm understanding it correctly. That's a smart move. So she's found somebody who she thinks is actually walking this thing, and she's like, can I send this over? And you tell me, am I missing the point, right? And uh, so... Since our last meeting, I've been praying more and just talking to him. I've decided I need to spend more time in his word, and I'm excited to continue reading the Bible. All these things have helped me in moving forward and just leaning on him. I definitely have a long way to go, but I'm just taking it one step at a time. We serve an awesome God, and I want him to be glorified in everything I do. Thank you so much for talking to me and giving me this assignment. I'm so thankful God has a plan for me and he knows what he is doing because I sure would have made a bigger mess of it in my life otherwise. I'm grateful for everything he has done and given to me and during the difficult times when I'm struggling, he is there and guiding me through his word. Praise be to God. Man, there is power in God's word. And in the middle of crisis, we can have wisdom. What does God's word say? Taking some time to camp out and learn what his word says. Question, are you willing to dig deep into God's word? Are you willing to spend some time depending fully on him 
and then praying it back to him and stepping out, trusting him that God might be glorified. Dig deep into God's word. Is able to make us wise. All right? That's number two. Number three. Value. His word is a gift to you. His word is a gift to you. Notice he says here in verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture is breathed out by God. How much of scripture? Yeah, all scripture. Not some. You hearing me? Some people are like, yeah, I don't know if that's really part of the Bible. I really want to throw that out. I don't know if I really want to listen to this. I don't, you know, it's not that choice, man. All scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture. And just so you know, the word scripture here is a different word than the word just used in the prior verse, sacred writings. Okay. So in the the prior one, he's like, so there's these Old Testament writings. There's these sacred recordings, but now all scripture, right? You hear it going wider. He's broadening it. He's now talking new Testament and old Testament here. All scripture. And in fact, I'll just say this. If we look at the word scripture and where it's used, uh, it's used about the entirety of scripture in different pieces. Uh, John 10, 34, it's talking about the law when it says scripture. John 19, 28, it's talking about the Psalms when it says scriptures. Luke 24, uh, verses 44 and 45, it's talking about the law, the prophet, and the Psalms all put together. And Second uh, Peter three sixteen, he's talking about Paul's writings, and he calls them scripture. And the First Thessalonians 1, 5, he's talking about all apostolic uh, revealings. And uh, yes, all scripture, man. Old and New Testament breathed out by God. What in the world does that mean? Breathed out by God. And uh, so God doesn't tell us totally what that word means, but we definitely know this. It's from God, right? It has something to do, they use the word breath in it. It literally is God breathed. That's what it means. And so somehow God is doing this inspiring, right? You probably heard that word, doing this inspiring into man. But I thought men were actually writing it down, man. I thought they had a pen and they were writing it. And so I think it's really men writing it. And uh, how did this whole thing work out? Second Peter 1, verses 20 and 21 actually tells us the method of this inspiring. Listen to this. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You hearing it? They recorded as the Spirit kind of pushed upon them in a way to help them understand what to write. Here's the best way I've ever heard it described from seminary class. Um, best way to understand it. Inspiring. It's when the Holy Spirit comes over to a human being and says, I am going to take your vocabulary and your life experience and we, through you now and through that vocabulary and life experience, are going to pen truth. And I'm going to share into you what I want shared. You're going to record it down using that vocabulary. The Holy Spirit, capable of working with you and finding a word that he's looking for, capable of working with the one next to you, capable of working with Paul, sits with the Apostle Paul and pulling from his vocabulary, gets recorded the ideas of who God is. Are you hearing me? That's what he's going after. And so, yes, there is the personality of the writer recorded. Right? You do see individuality in that, and you do see a uniqueness to the vocabulary and the experience, but God himself being a part of that. 
carrying the man along and recording it. Huge. And uh, everybody say, that's a big idea. That's a big, big idea. Trusted scripture. Absolutely. And uh, for those of you who love the big words, all right? Like, oh man, I love those systematic theology terms. All right, here you go. Verbal plenary inspiration, right? Verbal plenary inspiration. What does it mean? Verbal, every single word, plenary, all of them. So verbal, at the word level, plenary, all of them, inspiration, Holy Spirit behind it, okay? That's what we're talking about with God's word. Holy Spirit making sure that each and every word in the original language, in the first manuscript, are you hearing me? So... Joe Jock translator who sits down and just starts penning something to try to track off the old language manuscripts and write something wrong doesn't bust this verse. Do you understand me? Him making a mistake is his mistake. God's guaranteeing that first manuscript in its original language. So why do you guys use the ESV? Well, because it tracks word for word with the original language manuscripts. All right. And that's where we believe the inspiration is at. That's what God's saying. That original manuscript inspired as he worked with Paul or Peter, or whoever the author was. And so we're getting as close as we can to the original, word for word translated across. That's why we're going with the ESV, all right? So, it's a lot of information, isn't it? If we're not careful, we take God's word and we're like, I, I, you know, it's, it's a Bible. I don't know what to do with it. And so it sits on our bookshelf, or it sits on our bookshelf, or it sits on our bookshelf, and we do nothing with it. We better understand the depth and the breadth of what we can have with him. This is a huge promise for us that we can go after it with him. Hey, it's one of our pillars, proclaiming the authority of God's word without apology. We're going to be on it each and every week and walking through it. And um, all right. So Pompeii, you know what I'm talking about? The city that got wiped out by a volcano. So Pompeii, life was going on. They really kind of weren't expecting the volcano to erupt right when it did. They just continued to do life. And all of a sudden, as the, as the um, lava just poured down over the top, it solidified people right in the middle of doing life, okay? And in fact, you know, they caught one guy who was in the middle of blacksmithing and got frozen that way, right? They actually caught another lady who was running for the gates of the city, trying to get away from the lava, her feet were headed in a run, but she was leaning backwards, trying to reach and grab something. She was trying to grab a bag of pearls. And she got caught in the lava and solidified for life. Question, in the middle of your crisis, what are you reaching for? What would you be reaching out for and saying, this is everything for me? Is it God's word and looking for God to guide you in the midst of it? If it's not, please hear this challenge. It needs to be starting today, starting right now. Let's put some value into God's word and see what he has to say. It's great to come alongside with other people. It's great to hear from them and be sharpened by them, but it must come back to God's word. This is all we need for guidance and direction in this life. All right? So, what are you valuing in crisis? Answer the question for real. Like, really, what would you value in the middle of a crisis? What would you lean for? And uh, time to make it the word. All right? Number four, apply. 
His word is beneficial. Apply. His word is beneficial. And uh, so it says, all scripture is breathed out by God. Here we go. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Profitable for, like it has value in these areas. Profitable for teaching, like establishing right thinking, getting your doctrine straight. Teaching. And uh, reproof. This is that hardcore rebuke. You know, the time where you're reading God's word or somebody's preaching God's word and you're like, oh, I'm so not doing that right. And it so needs to change in my life. That sense of pushing in on you in the midst of doing something where you're like, all right, we're done with that. Right. That's a moment of rebuke where God's word is leaning in and helping make clear you need to get off of it. And uh, yeah, reproof, correction and uh This is a great word. In the original language, it means literally to restore back to its original intent. Not restoring back to how you were born, but restoring back to what God has planned for you in perfection. Like that's what the scripture is capable of doing, is correcting, bringing you back on that path, showing you how it can and could look uh, in the midst of God pouring into you. Correction. His power unleashed in you. You hearing me? And a huge deal, correction. And for training in righteousness, training in righteousness. This is uh, raising us up in God's character, giving us a feel for who God is. And uh, it's helping us to love what he loves and hate what he hates. Amen. Too many of us are drinking from the nasty water of the world. And that's all we know. And uh, there's times where we don't even know it's gone bad, right? We were in Morton last week and somebody texted us and was like, hey, did you know there's been a boil order in effect for like a day? Nope. Been drinking that water. Good deal, right? And uh, how often do we drift into that where we're drinking something we shouldn't be tasting and it's coming in and it's affecting us and man, be careful. Make sure you are drinking deep of God's word on a regular basis and being able to apply it to whatever circumstance you're in. If you are in a tough spot and going, I'm not sure what applies to where I'm at. We as a pastoral staff, you and your impact group leaders hook up with leadership in this church. Let's help you get some word going on what you're struggling with. All right. Let's make sure we've got that stuff applied. And, uh, okay. Last week was, um, a really powerful time in this place. And, uh, God was moving in big ways as we were asking people to just get real with their hurts. And we had people coming forward and we had people going to elders in the back and we had people crying where they were at. And then we had people standing up and the body rallying around and putting hands on. And I'm telling you, there was the spirit moving in this place powerfully as we rallied together for one another in the midst of the struggle. And that is so valuable and God's grace pouring over in the midst as we lean on him in the struggle. Hear me now. Now it's time for the next step. Okay, Lord, I've handed it to you. What do you have to say about that struggle? Where do I need to go? How do I need to turn? How should I be thinking about it? Teach me from your word what you would have me to know, 
think, and be. It's time for us to see God's word as all we need for the growth. Leaning on him and those that are leaning on him. God's word is the guidance for us. And uh, absolutely profitable. Absolutely valuable. You know, we have people coming to this church a lot as visitors. And uh, many stay. And uh, many don't. And uh, we've actually had this comment made several times. And uh, we were talking about this a week or two ago. Like, what's the number one reason that people don't stay with us here? Number one. Ah, dude. It's like all they want to do is teach us the Bible. We really hear that a lot. And let me just tell you, amen to that. And a guilty as charged. But hear me, not teaching the Bible so that if we were to pass you a quiz, you could actually take it and get an A. But so that in the midst of walking life and crisis, you could pass that quiz and get an A. Do you hear what I'm saying? The word applied. God rocking you in the midst of right where you're at. And, and I don't know what that is, but God knows. And it's time for this word to be applied to that situation. What's God calling you to? Time for us to apply his word and walk powerfully with him. What's your problem or struggle? What's your hurt? Now what's God's word have to say about it? Let's go right after that. And please, if you need any help looking for that, text us, email us, call us, any one of us as pastors or your impact group leader or someone else you know in this body that's walking with Christ, it's time to talk to someone and get some help with that, that God might be glorified. All right. Now the last one, grow. His word is all you need to be fully mature. So we have follow and dig. We have uh, value and apply and now grow. His word is all you need to be fully mature. Check this out. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That the man of God may be complete. Some of you say perfect, right? This idea that the man of God is being transformed one degree of glory at a time. God changing and shaping you. His word part of it. Listen, how many churches have said, read your Bible and pray. Right? And we hear those words and we're like, we get used to it. We maybe even are willing to buy a t-shirt that says it. Read your Bible and pray. And then I get into a problem and what's the first thing I do? Not now though. Right now I'm hurting. It's time to feel. Hang on. All right. I'm very emotional and I want to be upset. And well, what's God's word say? I have no idea right now. Let's keep being emotional. Right? And we, that's where we go. And we sort of run that way for quite a season. And everybody say, that's not God's plan. That's not God's plan. Man, the hurt is real. And we must admit it. And I'm great with hurting in it and being real to it and telling God about it. Okay? But we must take the next step. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Because of the profitableness of this word. We will always give counsel according to God's word. That's how we're working as a pastoral staff. Always according to God's word. That's how we're walking it down the line. Equipped for every good work. How many good works? Every Every good work. And uh, I just wrote these phrases down. I was like, really? What does that mean? 
Like all too often we can walk away and we're like all hooked on uh, like works-based stuff now. And let's be careful. So here's what I wrote. Enabled to meet all the demands of righteousness. Like it's a high calling to be growing with God. And then we try to do it all on our own and we can't figure out why it doesn't work. God's word able to help in that. And uh, This is another one. Um, renewed mind, new heart, and shaped will. That's what happens with time in God's word. We have an absolute opportunity for God to do a work in us. Please hear me on this. I cannot get passionate enough. We have no answer without God's word. We have the answer with God's word. That's where we're going. And every struggle we're in and every step we need to take, we at least have principles that are true and we might have tons more of specificity from God's word. We must dig deep. This is not devotions. Right? I'm kind of sick of that word because it's been so tainted with a lame five minutes where we read something, maybe even a little book attached to it. We get done with it. We have no clue what we even read. By the time we get to the fruit loops and we're pouring it out, we're like, I don't know where I was. I don't know what I read. That's not devotions. Just so you know, I don't even know what that is, but we go through that rote motion all the time. And the problem is because we don't expect, are you hearing me? We don't expect God to move, God to answer, God to reveal. The next time you open God's word, open with this commitment. I am ready to meet you, God, right here. I am ready to be rocked by you. I want nothing to distract me. What are you showing me in these verses? And Lord, I'm ready to dig deep that you reveal you and that you show me what you want to do. In my life, I am done with lame Christianity on with being rocked by you. God's word. It is all we need. And as we meet him, as we meet him, he will change your life. And all of God's people said, let's pray.